you're um, enjoyed the meal and you're feeling a little sleepy and you're thinking you may not off, uh, go with a power nap because I'm not going to be up here long. You're not going to get the full nap. It's not going to be full nap time, so uh, sleep quickly if that's where you need to be. And I completely understand because I'm, I feel your pain if that's the pain that you're in. I want to make one quick announcement. Uh, this was just published the end of last week and this is going to sell out quickly. Uh, if you enjoy music, uh, coming to Florence, the Secret Sisters who are from down there, the Heritage Associates are putting on a benefit concert. It is Thursday evening, December 3rd. Tickets are $50, no, $25 a piece. And so those are going to sell out quickly. It's on our campus, so the venue's not huge. Uh, they do an excellent job if you've ever heard them sing, and so if that kind of thing is of interest, you can go to our website or you can call the campus, but I wanted to give you a heads up because those tickets will not last long. That's the Secret Sisters at Heritage Christian. Uh, wasn't that great being in the other room uh, and honoring Miss Ann? That, that was a wonderful thing, and I think it dovetails into what we want to do for just a couple of minutes this afternoon. We left off at De Deuteronomy chapter 30 this morning where Moses is making this great plea and he's making, putting a choice in front of the people and, and I've put before you life and I've put before you death and you know, choose life. And it's defined by Moses the way you choose life. You define that by loving the Lord and by obeying His voice and by uh, holding fast to Him. And as Christians, that's who we are and that's what we're trying to do. But I also like the practical side of things. In, in other words, if we're going to think in terms of choosing life, any practical thing that we can look at or think about that will help us do that more effectively, I believe is worthy of our time. And so we seek this common goal. And so I don't do a lot of acrostic type lessons. I know some guys love those kind of things. But I want to take that word life, and I don't want to give you anything brand new this afternoon. Uh, what we're going to talk about are some reminders, some things that we already know. But if we want to choose life and do that more effectively, uh, we can take the word life and think about four quick things that I believe will bless us. And so for the word, or for the letter L, obviously the word that we think of is love and the idea of love for one another. This is a loving congregation. There is no doubt about that. This church is loving. This church isn't perfect because no congregation of people are, but this church is loving. And so if we're going to talk about loving one another and, and how do we do that more effectively, the place that we really need to think in terms of, if we want to see the church move forward and if we want to see the church grow, how do we make sure that every member experiences the idea that this is a loving congregation. And let's be honest, some people don't make it easy for us to love them because they're not fully engaged or they're not around a lot or whatever. And so the idea is, even if it might be their fault they don't feel loved, how can we do everything we can to make sure that everybody knows that they're loved when they're in this place? An idea, or it is the idea of being conscious about reaching out to the people who maybe don't seem to be as plugged in because they want to be loved too. Maybe they just they may be shy, they may be introverted, they may not know how to reach out. But see, it's it's a logical way to live. It's the logical thing to do because of what God has done for us. John in First John four, he's writing about what God has done for us, and he says in verse eleven, beloved, if God so loved us. We also ought to love one another. And 
Loving each other is required if we're going to truly love God. When you drop down to verse 20 of 1 John 4, the Bible says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? The John kind of goes love, hate. He doesn't think much in terms of what might be in the middle. So we need to love. So how do we make sure that all of our brothers and sisters, even the ones who are seemingly difficult to love, how do we make sure that everybody knows that they're loved? Um, and if we ever find ourselves not living this out, other people can tell. You ever hung out with a family and maybe you, maybe you weren't super close, but maybe you're at some people's house, you're not super close to them, but you can just tell something's not right in that family. There's tension in the air. You could cut it with a knife. Some, you know, the basic family dynamic love. Something's wrong. If we're not doing it right, people can tell. And so it's super, super important. A couple of minor things, or other things to think about before we move on. Our brothers and sisters, they don't have to merit or earn our love. In other words, we extend love to each other unconditionally because God loves us when we didn't deserve it. We continue to love our brothers and sisters even if they make a mistake because when I mess up, when I stumble, when I fall, God continues to love me. And so the love thing, we do that unconditionally. The second thing is the letter I, and that is involvement. The idea of being involved in order to fulfill my function within the body. Uh, it's crucial to the spiritual well-being of a family if every member of the church family is involved. And so involvement gets beyond, well, I'm there when we come together to worship. Well, what are we doing together beyond that? We possess the common goal of choosing life. And the higher the percentage of family members who are involved in the work of the congregation, the better that's going to be for everyone. Now, I, I love doing interim work. I love working with congregations on a temporary basis like I'm doing here. However, one of my greatest frustrations about this kind of work is you, you begin to love a church family, but there's this huge frustration because I, you know, I can't be fully involved. I physically can't be involved the way I would love to be. The Bible illustrates the crucial need for involvement. 1 Corinthians 12, you get that picture drawn up of the body, and the body's got all these different parts, and we all have our different functions in the body. And so finally, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, Paul writes, Now you are the body of Christ and members of it individually. We all have a role to play. That's why involvement is so important. And we understand what happens if one part of the body is sick or one part of the body is removed can have a dramatic effect on the entire person and the same, the same effect for the church family. So here's the thing I would leave you with in thinking about involvement to fill my function. If I'm not as involved in the church family as I probably know I should be, does it create a tension for me? In other words, am I okay with that or does it frustrate me in some way? Because the frustration, the good thing, that's telling me, hey, I need to find a way to be more involved. The third thing, the F in the word life, we think of fellowship. Fellowship to feed the fire. When we think about the, 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 the lunch and, and the honoring of Miss Ann and the love in the room and the fellowship together, it, it's so much about what we should be about as Christians. And it's funny, Miss Ann joked about it, but she's exactly right. You know, one of the things that happens to us 
We forget to appreciate one another sometimes until after somebody leaves. And how great is it to actually show appreciation in a fellowship setting where we actually still have that person with us. It's a wonderful thing to do. Fellowship is the idea of Christians spending time together. Now, if I'm an involved worker in the church, that's an, there's an aspect of fellowship there. We come together and we're working on something to help the church move forward. But then we're also talking, when we talk about fellowship, we're talking about do I have a desire to spend leisure time, free time, time that I get to choose what I do with, my leisure time, do I want to spend that time with other Christians? You know, the early church, the example is a group of people who are devoted to fellowship. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they're continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And we've talked about it. Their dynamic, their social dynamic is different than ours. But you get the idea that these people wanted to be together. And see, there are huge benefits of fellowship. The people that I spend the most time with, they're going to influence me. And so if I'm spending time with bad people, I'm going to be influenced in a bad way. If I'm spending time with my church family, my leisure time with fellow Christians, they're going to influence me in the way I need to go. Uh, Baseball fans, uh, some of you may have been Braves fans at one point. Maybe you still are. But back in the days when the Braves had that pitching staff where you had John Smoltz and you had Tom Glavin and you had Greg Maddox and those guys are all on the same pitching staff. If you were a Braves fan and watched a lot of their ball games, there was something interesting you would see happen with the Braves pitching staff. When a guy came to town, when a guy was added to that team, just almost everybody that became a part of the Braves became a better pitcher. And you would hear it, and they would say, it's not all about who the pitching coach was. They would talk about the idea, a lot of it was about that group of guys. You're suddenly hanging out with pitching royalty. And if you don't think that has an effect on how you perform as a ball player, the people we're around influence us. Uh, In the book, Good to Great... Jim Collins, it's a, the book's about a decade old, old I guess, now, but it's, it's good. He looked at companies that had been successful over time and, and looked at some of the characteristics and wrote about those. But one of the companies that he wrote about, he said that that company maintained a hall of past glory. In other words, retired executives that at one point had played a key role in that company, there, there was a hallway where anybody out of that group could keep an office there with the company. You don't think there's value in being able to walk down that hall as a current executive and and know that you can pop your head in the office and have some fellowship time, some quality time with somebody that's been there before and led before and helped before. See, it's just the idea that, man, the people that we're around influence us. And so as we choose life, fellowship... That's one of the things that really ought to fuel the fire for us. And so the exam question here is, are the people that I most want to spend time with Christians? You know, is my strongest desire for fellowship to be with those who are actually trying to go to heaven? Do I want to be around those people? When I do, that's a good sign. Got to remember for us, circles are better than lines. In other words, yes, we come into worship together and things like that, but when we're in fellowship, when we're in a circle, there's value there. Finally this afternoon, 
The E is simply for edification. As a congregation, as those who are choosing life, edification brings into question what are we doing to actively build one another up. And, and again, that's what we did today. And it's so, so important. And again, the key here is a lot like we, what we mentioned with love. It's not the idea that it's okay if some people are edified, but what can we do? How can we keep our eyes open? How can we keep on alert to make sure that every member knows the joy of being built up in the Lord? That every member knows the joy of being encouraged by other Christians? That every member benefits from edification? There's some reminders from Scripture that I think are worth thinking about. When we seek to build each other up, it needs to be genuine. It needs to be real. Uh, in Romans, the 15th chapter, the first couple of verses, the Bible says, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification. Now, the context there is, it's this discussion about not offending, not hurting the weaker brother, this Jewish background guy who still has a problem with a Christian eating certain meats. And the idea is, it's not okay to tell him he needs to grow up. The idea is, you need to conduct yourself in a way so that he is built up and that he can grow and that he, he can be edified. Act in such a way so that that guy can work through where he is and be strengthened. So our goal needs to be to build up and hopefully never to tear down. And so as a congregation who is choosing life, edification is crucial. Every member needs it. Because things happen in life that tear us down. One of the beauties of Wednesday evening, midweek Bible study, you know, sometimes we already we come in on Wednesday night and we already feel like we've we fought a complete war. You know, we feel like we've already had a full week of fighting the war at work. We are we're beaten down, and when we get here, we need each other. When we come together, every member should know that he or she will be encouraged and built up by having spent time with the church family. All is the goal. No one being left behind. And so, like I said, those aren't new. But hopefully as we think about this great charge from Moses, the idea of choosing life, maybe it's another way to think about that word. Love for one another. Involvement to make sure that we're all fulfilling the function that God has given us. Fellowship to keep the fire burning and an edification in everything. I'm thankful for what God shares with us in His Word. Your life may be, for whatever reason, in some way broken today, and Bradley is going to lead us in Bring Christ Your Broken Life. And we always extend the Lord's invitation, the idea that if something is amiss, if you need to be reminded all over again that you do matter to this church family, if you need this church family praying with you or for you, you can let that be known. If you're here and you're not a, a Christian, if you've not surrendered your life to Christ and you're ready to do that today, you also can make that known. Let that be known. Let it be known while we stand and while we sing. Bring Christ your broken life, so long.